Welcome to Altus Insights podcast series with Ray and Marlin, hosted by me, Avi. This podcast will cover monthly market updates and construction cost impacts across major markets in Canada. So today we have a special guest star, a local media darling of all things construction costs, the data guru himself, Mr. David Skunians. If you've been at one of my market presentations, he's the picture at the end that I'm not supposed to use, as well as heading up our internal cost data software team for the cost team. He is the editor-in-chief, so to speak, of the Canadian Cost Guide, which is largely a data-driven foundation combined with a lot of knowledge and experience from our pre-construction experts across the country. He just adds a slight twist of scotch at the end to hit it just right. So the cost guide is our most downloadable insight product each year. And in fact, the popularity keeps going up. You might call it an old staple these days for the cream market in Canada. So welcome, David. Thank you. I'm not sure how exactly I'm going to live up to that introduction, but I'll, <laughs> uh, I'll do my best. So maybe, David, for the one or two people actually live under a rock in Canada, could you give a quick overview of what the Canadian Cost Guide is, and then maybe touch on what it is supposed to be used for, and then obviously what it's not intended to be used for? Yeah, really, I think probably the best way to describe it is it's it's a useful tool, a guide just that for um, developers and mostly our clients to answer a question primarily in a very uh, preliminary stage of the project. What is a, for example, average condo in Toronto cost, you know, for an early performa? That doesn't mean that when you ask that question of an average cost in Halifax for a condo, you're not talking about the same building. It's not meant to be comparable. Average in Halifax is going to be different than average in Vancouver and average in Calgary. The reason for that is just uh, local codes, local um, kind of preferences or what's expected of an average condo in one place, an average condo might have carpet in another place. It might have marble floors in the kitchen. It just depends on, on where you are. And then of course you've got the, the local codes and environmental um, considerations that also make the buildings different. So that's, that's literally what it's for to ask those questions of what is a average building of this type in my city for my, uh, my performa, not, to necessarily do comparisons between cities or or even over time. And the, the other thing I think, just because I know you mentioned condo quite a lot there, all asset types are covered, aren't they? Pretty much institutional and commercial? Yeah, uh, good point. All asset types are covered. I think there is kind of a difference between the different asset types and in the volume of data you get. So condos is kind of, well, I'll say easier and to some degree, a more reliable number. And there's two reasons for that. Uh, number one, you get a lot more data points for a condo, especially if you're in Toronto. Uh, we all know there's two types of buildings in Toronto, those that are condos and those that will be condos. Um, so you have lots of data in that. If you're talking about a uh, some specialty medical facility, there's very few of those built in uh, the country in a year, let alone a city in a year. So you've got very few data points and there's a very wide range and in the potential design of some of these buildings. So you'll notice the, the ranges for some of those are fairly wide and they're also um, gonna be uh, possibly less consistent with your experience on your own project. So I think you have to recognize um, you know, that there is kind of some differences in consistency or reliability um, 
in different asset types. Yeah, and I think that's a discussion we often have when we do in the market updates and stuff. It's, it's generated as a guide. It's the same when we talk escalation and whatnot. They're all, I call it relativeness. Every project's its own bubble. A developer could be a single bubble with 10 project bubbles. A city's its own bubble with 100 different bubbles connected into it. Each one of those interacts slightly different. The intent of this document is more so averages and ranges to give a guide versus necessarily actually using it to provide an estimate, which I think you'd built, hadn't you built another product that helps out, especially on the residential side with that early level numbers and then the guy can just sort of help confirm that yeah we uh, recently launched um, construction cost analytics um, and really a lot of that stems from um, kind of requests to improve the guide or um, uh, address what I'll say some of the, the shortcomings of it um, and Really, there's there's a few things, and uh, you know this isn't knocking a guide. It's very valuable. Uh, it's available for free. It's downloaded thousands of times a year, um, but it's necessarily limited in in some of what it has. Number one, it's only published uh, once a year, um, and so by the end of the year, especially in the last few years, it's getting a little bit long in the tooth and, and less reliable. Um, in construction cost analytics, we're updating that every quarter. Um, the cost guide doesn't have forecasts. A lot of times what you need is um, to know what the building's gonna cost two years from now. Uh, in construction cost analytics, we have uh, forecasts in it. And then um, kind of the last major things that construction cost um, analytics addresses is soft costs. Soft costs, Although there's a lot less um, kind of factors that influence them than your, your hard costs. Your hard costs is literally thousands and thousands of different factors that can influence that. But every one of those factors uh, can sway the needle relatively little. The soft costs, there's fairly few factors, but it can sway it massively. Like just going across the road to another municipality can sway your, your development charges significantly. So there's a lot more questions we have to ask than just what type of building is it and what city is it in. It gets far more complex to be able to give a, a, um, a reasonably accurate estimate of soft costs. So we do that in construction cost analytics. We have a lot more parameters. We estimate soft costs. We give you forecasts and we update it regularly. Now we can't give all of that away for free because it's a lot of work um, and, and uh, resources that go into developing it and maintaining it, but it is available for subscription now for multifamily uh, residential in Toronto. And we do plan on expanding that to other cities and, and other building types, but we've, we've started with that and we're going to see how it goes from there. Okay, so you touched on a few topics there in that answer. So one of them, though, is, I mean, obviously, this is a 2023 cost guide. What are some of the changes in this year's cost guide? And then I want to ask a few questions about some stuff that might change in the future. I think really um, content, the general content and structure is similar. We've tried to kind of keep it just down to the numbers. Like uh, most people are going there to answer that question. What do I need to put in my performa for a uh, class A uh, office building in Toronto? So, you know, we, we have tried to kind of take out a lot of the fluff and just get down to, you know, something uh, that's the meat of it. 
And so really what uh, updates, we've, we've got our frequently asked questions section and we always kind of add or, or modify that um, to address any kind of major questions we're consistently getting. And I, I urge you to uh, please look at things like the frequently asked questions section. It can avoid a lot of big errors and mistakes that people make when using the cost guide. And then of course, we've, we've updated uh, the tables um, in there. Uh, the, the categories that we have are, are relatively uh, consistent. The only minor changes we made, there's, there's a couple of asset types that we took out. The, it was just, um, the, the, they were too specific. There was too wide of range uh, that the number would basically be so wide it wouldn't be useful. So we took um, a few of the less common asset types out of there. But other than that, it's very similar. Um, I think what people want to usually do when they talk about the changes is compare one cost guide, uh, <laughs> the cost guide this year to the cost guide last year. And I understand the desire to do that. I guess um, um, sometimes there's some um, misleading conclusions people draw from doing that. It's really not um, designed to be a measure of cost escalation. It's not designed to index, you know, Toronto to Vancouver, as we already talked about. You're not necessarily even talking about the same building, a average building in uh, an average condo in Vancouver is not the same as the average condo in Halifax. They're just totally different markets with totally different uh, revenue expectations and, and therefore the underlying building of what average is in those cities is, is different. So I think people get into trouble trying to compare over time or compare between cities. And we do have other products that do that. We have a construction cost escalation report, which is set up specifically to compare escalation and, and to define the scope of what's in escalation versus design change. So I, I just be careful about the temptation to do that with the cost guide. Yeah, and we, I mean, I think me and you especially over the last few years have been living and breathing construction escalation. We're talking to stakeholders, both formal market presentations, informal questions on, I'd say it's multiple times a day. And I often find people refer back to say Stats Canada, or even when people are doing their own cost guides that there's other ones out there. A lot of people rely a lot on Stats Canada. And when you look at the cost escalation information, um, the charts are a little interesting, I would say. Yeah. How reliable do you find the stuff that comes out of there? Again, without being critical to Stats yeah. Canada, it seems iffy. Yeah, I think Stats Canada's data is reasonably good uh, when things are consistent. <laughs> Over the past couple of years, I don't know, there's been some really wacky uh, things in the Stats Canada numbers and, and um, seen some pretty big differences versus our own data. I think the the recent one that came out, um, you know, I looked at again, condos in, in Toronto, those are the ones that definitely there's the biggest volume of data to be had and, and we see tons of information there. So we're, we're highly confident in our numbers in that. And like Stats Canada in Toronto um, in the past two years, so 2021 and 2022 combined, they're saying a high rise, uh, apartment building in Toronto increased by 41% in those two years alone. And uh, there's a couple of red flags there. Well, three, number one, that's quite a bit more than what we were tracking. It was very high, 
but it wasn't 41%. If it were 41%, like developers profit is not nearly that high. So if it were 41%, there would be exactly zero new projects started. And if it were 41%, we would basically see carnage. The whole industry would have collapsed by now at 41%. The, the revenues haven't kept nearly that pace in order to uh, not send everybody bankrupt. And the other kind of odd thing that you see in there, you start digging into the numbers of um, where this cost escalation they think is coming from. And you look into the trades, uh, last year they're saying that uh, division three, which is mostly your formwork, but also your rebar and your concrete supply, they're saying it was 29% for an apartment building in Toronto last year. And there was years where it was 29%, but that was like back in 2018 when they were saying it, it barely increased at all. And it really was like 30% increase in a year. Last year, as you know, division three was actually probably the lowest increase we've seen in probably almost a decade. Rebar costs went down, concrete supply costs granted did go up, but relative to the overall um, division three, it's, it's not the biggest part in Formark was only a marginal uh, increase for the first time in uh, how long. So, and Stats Canada thought that that was 29%. I have no idea where they're, they're getting that number. There's been some bizarre things come out of Stats Canada in the past, say 12 to 24 months. And in fairness, um, we might be that wrong too, if we didn't actually have the numbers where we're, we're seeing the numbers, not just in estimates, but in low monitoring uh, actual costs. So, I, yeah, I don't, so they, they obviously don't have access to that. No. So needless to say, if we do Stats Canada for our cost guide, just add another 10, 20% to the costs, and then we just close down the whole city for a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and here's the difficult part though. Um, the cities, municipalities use the Stats Canada numbers to index their development charges. So the fact that Stats Canada said that uh, cost escalation has been way higher than it has been over the past uh, 12 to 24 months, well, that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because now all the municipalities hike up uh, their development charges um, based off of those Stats Canada numbers. So they really actually made it true, at least in part of the, the building costs. Right. So now I've got a couple more questions for you, but the mainly, the, the, as I go around doing these market presentations, I mean, I, I did like, I think over 80 last year, I get a lot of requests and questions about the cost guide. So I'm going to hit you with, I'll just give you a quick list of the main ones they always ask for me for, and then you can let me know what the chances seeing them are. A lot of requests for the mid-year update. I think you mentioned a little bit like the cost escalation reports get updated. I've been asked for regional versions that go down to the city level. So in Ontario, it's not just say Ottawa and Toronto. We actually get a few more of the cities spread out, even breaking up Toronto has been a request. And then the biggest one I'd say over the last three or four years is, are we going to do a US version? Obviously, we have, we've been expanding to the US. We do quite a lot of work in the US. When's the cost guide for the US likely to come? Yeah, that's a lot in, uh, in one. So <laughs> uh, a mid-year update, um, I suppose it's something that's been discussed and considered. Um, to be, you know, I don't think a lot of people realize it's, it's a it's a compact document, but it takes a lot of time and resources and input from uh, many people right across the country. So it takes us uh, a couple of months uh, 
uh, just to pull this together. Now, in fairness, over half of that is is choosing the colors. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think we uh, we could consider it, but you know, uh, especially being a free guide and people actually need to do their their day job and get client estimates and low monitoring reports out. You know, we can only um, focus on that for so much time, and that's part of why we've created the construction cost analytics is, you know, if, if that's valuable to you, uh, you know, we need you to pay some nominal, relatively small amount for those updates. So we are trying to address that, but, you know, we also uh, have to be cognizant of, of um, other priorities. Um, the other smaller cities, uh, it gets difficult. Like even in a city the size of Hamilton, the volume of projects that happen there just uh, aren't huge. So that creates two problems. I don't think it'll be surprised to anybody that we're creating this as a marketing document, as business development. So uh, putting a lot of money and time, business development in small centers that you're unlikely to get jobs just isn't you know, a wise uh, financial decision. But the bigger problem is you need a certain volume of projects and data to have a high level of confidence that the number you're putting in the cost guide is, is accurate and useful and, and not going to mislead the client. So the smaller the center, the less confident you can be that the numbers you're giving are accurate because there's just not enough uh, projects on a daily basis. So uh, a lot of clients. Yeah, oh, sorry, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to move on to the last question. So finish off the four and then we'll go into the last question. Yeah. Well, uh, the, the other question we get related to that is, can you, can you just give us um, some sort of index? Uh, how much should I adjust Toronto to get to, um, you know, some other secondary market outside Toronto? The problem you end up in there is you can't have one number that represents all building types. You may very well be in a situation where if you're going to build a 40 story apartment building, it's a big premium versus Toronto because you got to bring in trades from Toronto. Whereas if you're going to build a three-story wood frame townhouse, it's less expensive than Toronto. So you can't have one number that's going to represent all building types. There, there's your problem with a, an index. It can actually be more uh, dangerous than helpful if, unless you're going to go through a lot of work in order to um, build different indexes for different building types. Yeah, and I still remember that's why we ended up having to get rid of it because we ran into a scenario where one of the government departments was trying to do that to justify the cost, and it was actually giving them the complete wrong answer because mm. it was the, the 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 numbers that were in there weren't representative of that specific asset, which I think at that time was jails or courses, something mm. very very specific and unique that was actually much more expensive in that location, whereas the guide was indicating it could be a lower cost. So yeah, yeah. it's it's one of those things that people ask for but causes more trouble. So the last question is both yourself and, my, and myself, we get a lot of interesting questions about how to use the cost guide. So if you got like a best tip on its use or the most common question you get, we could mm. answer. Um, that covers off a lot of the questions. And I know we've had some that are really quite spectacular <laughs> down to the more usual ones that you'd expect anyone to ask. Yeah. So I guess, number one, I'll say, don't use it to substitute an estimate. If you have a set of drawings that you can do kind of more than measure just the, the floor of the building. And actually, if you have a set of drawings, you measure the floor of the building, you can measure a whole bunch more things like the, the facade, you know, like even at that point, you should be doing something more than just a cost per square foot. So don't try and replace an estimate. Um, 
But there's really two times I think that it's useful. And we do describe these in the guide itself. Number one, in the very early stage, the very early performing, you don't even have a set of drawings yet. You just know, I want to build a building of this type that's approximately this size. And if it's residential, you know, this many units, you know, and if you don't have anything more than that, the guide is the best you're going to do. You can't measure anything. You can only do a cost per square foot. So definitely do that. Please make sure that you add on your below grade costs because we've separated the below grade from the above grade. So don't, <laughs> don't zoning forget. areas as well is always a good one. Yeah. Well, and all these are in the frequently asked questions. Don't use the zoning areas. You could be off by 10 or 12%. So that's a very expensive uh, mistake that people use. If you want to use the guide later on while you're developing your design, I think it's still useful. Say you get a an estimate from a third-party contractor and you only have, say, one price. To go back to the guide and say, you know, the contractor's telling us uh, $5,000 a square foot and Altus thinks it should be $500. Um, you know, the guide is a useful benchmark to say, well, maybe we should be going out and getting another price or better yet, we should be getting Altus to do a, uh, a detailed estimate um, to verify that. So. I think at that point, using it as a as a benchmark and realizing that it's an imperfect benchmark, but it's it's going to give you a ballpark of what we would typically expect for that type of building. And and maybe maybe your building is different than the guide, and there's a very logical uh, explanation for that. But you know, it's a good place to start. And if there's a red flag, dig deeper. Perfect. So we're going to have links to the cost guide on our website connected with this, with the podcast. And we'll also link a couple of things David mentioned there, escalation report, cost analytics tool as well. So you can also find them in the website, easily find them by Google. So if anyone is interested, you could go take a look at those. Um, later on today, we're recording the next podcast. That's going to be on market condition escalation in Ontario. Uh, obviously, David touched on a little bit of that. We're bringing Ray back in. He's going to make an appearance again now. Now the golf courses are closed. We might actually get him. That'll get released in a couple weeks. David, just want to say thanks. It's always a pleasure to have you in your podcast. This was a, a great episode and a lot of fun. Great. Thanks, Marlon. No problem. Thank you. Take care.